the European Basketball Podcasts. My name is Melina Vega de Ceja. And my name is Agla Carvalhoneta. This month's editor's choice is Drug-coated balloon angioplasty versus standard percutaneous transluminal angioplasty in below-the-knee peripheral arterial disease, a systematic review and meta-analysis by authors Hypema and colleagues. According to the title, this study is a meta-analysis, thus the highest level of evidence. What is the setting? The authors searched the Medline, Embase and Cochrane databases for studies published in English between January 2008 and November 2018 reporting standard PTA and drug-coated balloon angioplasty outcomes in infrapopliteal arteries in patients with peripheral arterial disease, mostly but not all, in the degree of critical limb ischemia. They excluded case series with fewer than 50 patients, cutting balloons, stents, cryoplasty or laser technique, as well as papers of which they could not retrieve the full text. How many papers and patients could they find? The search identified 1,042 articles and after filtering them according to their criteria, eliminating duplicates, etc., they eventually included 10 studies in this analysis. There were four randomized trials, three prospective case series, two retrospective comparative studies and one retrospective case series for a total of 1,593 patients, 1,236 of whom underwent drug-coated balloon angioplasty and 357 standard PTA. All the different types of drug-coated balloons available in the market during that decade were used. All studies included all three tibial vessels and eight out of the ten studies included simultaneous treatment of inflow lesions. What outcome variables were contemplated? The primary outcome was the 12-month limb salvage rate. Secondary outcomes were 12-month survival, amputation-free survival, restenosis over 50% as assessed by duplex ultrasound or angiography, and target lesion revascularization, which included any clinically driven repeat percutaneous intervention of the target lesion or bypass surgery of the target vessel. Data from the four randomized trials and one comparative study were pooled for the meta-analysis. Was quality assessment performed? Yes. The MINERS, Methodological Index for Non-Randomized Studies score, was used to assess the quality of the non-comparative studies, and the Cochrane tool for assessing risk of bias was used to assess the quality of the randomized trials. And Melina, what were the results? The 12-month limb salvage rate was 94% for drug-coated balloon angioplasty and 95.7% for standard PTA, for a non-significant difference. The quality assessment for this output was moderate. The 12-month survival was 89.9% for drug-coated balloon angioplasty and 92.9% for standard PTA, again with no significant difference and moderate quality of the evidence. The quality assessment for the remaining two secondary outcomes was low. The 12-month restenosis rate was 32.9% for drug-coated balloon angioplasty and 62% for standard PTA. Although the absolute difference seems large, there was no statistical difference. As for target lesion revascularization at 12 months, the rate was 14% for drug-coated balloon angioplasty and 27.8% for standard PTA, again with a non-significant difference. Pooling data from two studies resulted in 12-month amputation-free survival rates of 82.5% for drug-coated balloon angioplasty and 88.7% for standard PTA, again with no significant difference. 
So the study concludes that in patients with peripheral artery disease who underwent infrapopliteal angioplasty, no significant differences in limb salvage, survival, restenosis, target lesion revascularization, and amputation-free survival rates were found when drug-coated balloon angioplasty was compared with standard PTA. That's right. In fact, a previous meta-analysis of randomized trials comparing drug-coated balloons and standard PTA for revascularization of infrapopliteal arteries, published in 2016, had similar findings, with no differences in clinical outcomes at 12 months. The current meta-analysis has updated the comparison, including an additional randomized trial published in 2017 with 93 patients and a retrospective comparative study with 51 patients published in 2016. It confirms the previous findings of similar clinical outcomes with both techniques. How did these findings compare with current practice? The data gathered in this study reflects current practice in the sense that it includes all different balloons available in the market with different design and paclitex cell dosage and heterogeneity in baseline characteristics like anticoagulation regimen, diabetes mellitus, smoking status and technical skills like balloon inflation time or length of dual antiplatelet therapy. This reflects real-world practice but of course becomes a limitation of the meta-analysis. And how did these results impact clinical practice? This is a good example of how technology is influencing clinical practice with a too quick update before having evidence of its clinical benefit or even harm. The use of drug-coated balloons in the infrapopliteal sector is very common, but it is based on nothing but an extrapolation from other sectors, mainly the coronary arteries and the superficial femoral arteries. We do know that all these vessels have different histological and functional behaviors and there is growing evidence that the clinical outcomes of the drug-coated techniques also differ in different sectors. Now two consecutive meta-analyses reach the same conclusions, that although there may seem to be a trend towards fewer restenosis and target lesion revascularization with the use of drug-coated balloon angioplasty in the tibial vessels, there is no real clinical benefit regarding limb salvage or amputation-free survival, which are the outcomes that concern the patient. There has been a lot of debate recently on the potential toxicity of paclitex cell at certain doses applied with some of these drug-coated balloons with conflicting data regarding two-year mortality, and that is still an unresolved issue. But I ask myself a more basic question. Why are we using this, by the way, more expensive technology in this sector when there is repeatedly no solid evidence to do so? It should be a call of attention to us all. We should demand high-quality evidence for every new technology, or when this technology is used differently than initially intended, before we happily take it on. We owe that responsibility to our patients in the prevention of harm, and to the sustainability of the healthcare systems, avoiding ineffective and futile procedures or adjuncts. Indeed. I encourage you all to read the complete meta-analysis and draw your own conclusions. The full reference for this paper is European Journal of Vascular and Endovascular Surgery, Year 2020, Issue 59, pages 265 to 275. Thank you, Melina. I look forward to our next podcast. Thank you, Agla. So do I. Have a great week, everybody. Be safe. Bye.